MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, May 28th, 2020. Today, the Department of Justice drops insider trading investigations against three senators. Voter registration plummets due to COVID-19. Republicans sue to stop proxy voting in the House. Kevin McCarthy asks Democrats to pull their FISA bill. Pompeo's CIA advisory board. Kaylee McEnany is a hypocrite. Rod Rosenstein will testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Flynn could lose even if he wins. And we find out why it could be hard for Pence to pardon Trump. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. It's A.G. Uh, We're doing some remote recordings today. Uh, Everything is going well here. Uh, I wanted to remind everybody of, let's see, tomorrow's uh, cocktail happy hour. Uh, We're going to do a live uh, crowdcast Q&A session. We do this every week. This will be, I think, the 10th week that we do this. Uh, This week's theme is the masquerade. Wear your masks. We want to see your masks. Um, You don't have to wear them the whole time, obviously, if you're indoors. Uh, And also today on the show, I'll be interviewing uh, Glenn Kirshner, former federal prosecutor, MSNBC legal analyst, former Army JAG. Uh, Jordan's going to give us a COVID update in the A Block, and I'm going to be joined by Amanda Reeder for the good news and quarantine confessions. I also wanted to say to just this is so great. Congratulations to the Voices of Our City Choir. They earned the golden buzzer from Terry Crews on America's Got Talent last night. Um, They're going straight to the final show. And Voices of Our City Choir is a choir of homeless folks here in San Diego. We had them record a ringtone for us. And, uh, you know, we've been donating the proceeds from that ringtone to them uh, since that time. And they were on America's Got Talent last night, and they got the golden buzzer. So congratulations to Voices of Our City Choir. You've earned it. And I also want to dedicate this show to Larry Kramer, co-founder of ACT UP which is working to end the AIDS crisis. He died today in New York at the age of 84, and we honor his memory. But before we get to the headlines and the pardon discussion, we do have some updates from Jordan Coburn. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Hello, welcome to Jordan's Corn Beans. Um, I have just got a few updates for you today. Kind of a shorter one. Um, First story that I've got for you all is about... What's starting to happen with voter registration numbers? So I hadn't even thought about this until I read this article. And it's so now in hindsight, obviously something that was going to be a problem. But basically, voter registration numbers are just completely like flatlining all across the country. And normally in the months leading up to an election like this is when you would start to see them skyrocket through all the various ways that people do that. There's a lot of in-person stuff mainly. And that's kind of what the issue is, is how do you effectively register people? You know, I mean, grassroots voter reg organizations is one of like the main ways that people wind up getting registered, the people that you see outside of grocery stores or in your communities and just going door to door in communities, for example. When that stuff isn't supposed to be happening, there's a huge consequence that we're starting to see in those numbers. The DMV, for example, um, naturalization ceremonies being postponed. When you get, like, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure this act 
exists in some form in a lot of states but um i think in in nevada it was called like the the motor voter registration act or something or maybe that was california i think it was nevada point is when you essentially like do any sort of business online like you get your license all you have to do is check a box basically to say that you want to be registered to vote and there's a lot of you know legislation like that that's made it super easy for for certain parts of the population to to register dmvs are like closed everywhere you can only go in if you have an essential thing that you have to do which fun fact everybody guess what my license has been suspended for the last like six months and i didn't know and uh i have to go get it reinstated so that's fun that's just a side note i'm an idiot it's i didn't pay some fucking stupid parking ticket or some shit and it's my fault but i really fucked myself there anyways there's a bunch of people right now that aren't being able to register to vote and it's scary um it's very scary because we were looking at an election that hopefully was going to be you know the biggest voter turnout we've seen in many many elections and now it's just looking like this could be a really big factor in that not being the case so if you can uh do your part. I'm sure there's going to be stuff going around on social media, like campaigns, online campaigns, these grassroots organizations. They don't stop the work that they do. They do such amazing work, but share it. If you see something that's like reminding your friends or yourself to update at your new address or or just maybe some people are registering for the first time, maybe you have kids that aren't getting their licenses or something, but they still uh, need to register think about that stuff. Think about maybe who in your life you could help and we can try to help kind of pick up the slack that's being caused by the stay-at-home orders right now in the voter registration area. Uh, That's story number one. Story number two comes out of uh, rent and evictions and what's starting to happen now is, you know, when lockdown first started a lot you lose people lost their jobs people still don't have their jobs obviously paying rent was not even on the table and so there were these sort of postponings of evictions and now in a lot of states they're starting to resume evictions which is just cruel and makes zero sense to me because they're doing that without any kind of other plan for giving people aid it seems so arbitrary and unhelpful. It's like when they said, oh yeah, even when they did something to like help, in quotes, it was like, yeah, you don't have to pay rent for three months. Oh, but then as soon as the three months is up, you owe us three months rent. Okay, thanks. What did you think I was fucking, I was just bathing in the money and didn't want to give it to you? Like, obviously, I don't have the money. It's the least helpful thing. And now, as a follow-up to the least helpful thing, now they're actually beginning to evict people. And they're starting to put out those notices that it's going to happen. I saw one coming out of, I think it was the state of Oklahoma. Um, I saw them announce on, yeah, Oklahoma City. The sheriffs announced that they were going to start enforcing eviction notices this week and the tone was apologetic you know just like it sucks that we have to do this but but like we're gonna be as respectful you know as we can to everybody and and reluctantly so I imagine a lot of people are going to be carrying out these orders It, it fucking sucks it's it's awful 
And when you have stay-at-home orders that are still in place, you're literally putting people out into the streets, which just, in the humanitarian sense, is just awful and and just cruel. Like, I can't, I just really can't think of any, I understand that the economy still needs to go around, right? I under, I obviously understand a landlord that's like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, I, I, have, to, I have bills to pay too. That's completely fair. This shouldn't fall on the landlords because honestly, landlords, unless you're like a massively wealthy landlord, you're still probably sitting in the middle class in a lot of these cases. Landlords also don't have the capital to be able to do anything really either to help people in a lot of cases. And I feel like this is where our government's failed us so much is that states and, you know, they're, they're doing this stuff largely because the landlords need to pay their bills. And they're not getting any breaks either. And it's just this chain of people not getting any breaks. And it's a tragedy. And I don't know, I don't know what, I guess it's going to be like an individual, maybe like state by state assessment of how to handle that. I don't know, like, or maybe it's county. I'm not familiar with the breakdown of local state government you know, workings specifically and, like, who would be responsible for coming up with what kind of solution. All I know is that what's happening right now with them starting to enforce evictions is just completely unacceptable. And my heart goes out to anybody that's in that position. We have a lot of listeners. I guarantee some of our listeners are experiencing this right now, and I'm so sorry. And I just... It sucks to feel so powerless all around the people that are with you and your heart and and you all and... It just is horrible. So I hope that if this is affecting you, you're in a place that has some resources somewhere and there's some options available to you. But point is, they're just getting right back to it. Texas Supreme Court ruled that evictions could begin again recently. So in some places, it's already even gone through courts and they're upholding that. Uh, Professor... Emily A. Benfer, she's a housing expert and associate professor at Columbia Law School. Uh, She said, I think we will enter into a severe renter crisis and very quickly we will have an avalanche of evictions across the country. And I think she's right. And it's awful. Sorry, this is not more uplifting. My last story is even worse. Um, Finally, Four months after we got our first known case of COVID-19 in the U.S., we've now reached the 100,000 mark for people who have died uh, with COVID-19. It's such a high number. It's so much higher than um, a lot of places in the world. Apparently, I, I mean, it's... There's all of the undercounting that's probably, you know, been happening. It's confirmed to have happened in certain ways and in various ways. So we can expect that number to be higher and it's a very sobering number. And again, I'm really, really sorry for anybody that listens to our podcast and anyone in general that's been affected by that or has any, had anybody pass because of this. Um, it's crazy. The good news is that numbers are going down in places like New York City. They continue to see 
uh, really, really, really um, relatively low death rates compared to where they were at in their peak. Obviously, the amount of deaths and, and illnesses is still just, you know, so hard, staggering, but it's not as bad as it was, and, and that's that's a positive. There is the fear, though, now that with the reopenings happening that we're just going to be entering into a second wave. That's what's been being predicted by people, epidemiologists, scientists, people that know what they're talking about all along. And I think the bittersweet nature of things getting better is that there's another hill that we're probably most definitely going to have to climb again in fall. And we still don't have our shit together in a lot of ways especially when we start looking at these other things like evictions, just like logistics in that sense, you know, that it profoundly affects people all over. It's just a complete mess. It's a complete mess. And I feel for just everybody. I feel for everybody that's working on solutions and everybody that's going through it. And you know, while everything in general, in many ways, I think has been a complete mess, largely just by the nature of a pandemic on its own, I'm also incredibly proud of the work that people have done. Um, the speed, for example, that, you know, vaccines are beginning to be developed and the ways people have just been coming together constantly to help each other, all of those positives still remain, and I hope that people can focus on that, but we did reach a, a pretty big mark with the 100,000 number, and it's just sad to think about. So that is the end of my A block today. I hope everybody is doing okay, and hope y'all have a great week. Thanks. All right. Thanks for those updates, Jordan. We'll be right back with MSNBC legal analyst Glenn Kirshner. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG here for The Daily Beans. Due to the global pandemic of the COVID-19 virus, the job market has been uncertain for the past couple of months, and we really don't know what the future will hold. We are all in uncharted waters, and as a small business ourselves, we understand what employees and employers are going through right now. Employees are worried about their job still being there or having to find a new one, while employers are concerned about their business surviving and hoping that both customers and employees return. In the effort to dissuade fears and provide some assistance and comfort in these crazy times, we'd like to relay the following message from our sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Right now, we cannot be overwhelmed. We have to work to keep our loved ones safe and protect our communities. We have to work to stay strong, to stay connected, and to stay focused. We have to work to inspire, to innovate, to build new solutions. But for all this to work, we have to work, and we have to work together. At ZipRecruiter, we connect employers and people every day, but today is different. So we're partnering with first responders, government officials, the medical community, the innovators, and the manufacturing, transportation, and food distribution industries to make sure we're finding the right people for the right jobs right now. Let's work together. Visit ZipRecruiter.com slash work together. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, joining me today is former federal prosecutor with decades of experience and MSNBC legal analyst, former JAG, Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, thanks for speaking with me today. Hey, good to be on with you. Yeah. How, how are you? How is everybody holding up in your neck of the woods? Yeah, you know, we're still sheltering in place. And our, our governor here in Virginia, Governor Northam, said he's ready to ease the restrictions. So with a little luck, uh, we're going to be going out to a restaurant with an 
outdoor seating area this Friday. At least that's the hope. Oh, excellent. Let me know how that goes. I'm interested to know if people are respecting the uh, six feet uh, of social distancing and mask wearing. I, I know it's hard to wear a mask when you're eating, but um, at least being six feet apart when you're not. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Good luck. Uh, so recently, you posted a video on your really informative YouTube channel. I can't. You know, everyone needs to be subscribed to that. And and you had a discussion about why, if Flynn loses, uh, or if he wins, he actually still loses. And I was hoping you could explain that to us. Yeah, you know, everybody, everybody feels like if his case gets dismissed, such that he is not facing up to six months in prison, which uh, is one of the terms of his current plea agreement, then it's an outright win for Mike Flynn. And, you know, I I don't see it that way. Now, look, nobody wants to face six months in prison. And the reality is, if he does get sentenced by Judge Emmett Sullivan, nobody knows how much time Judge Sullivan will, will give him. But if his case gets dismissed, if Bill Barr and Mike Flynn, who have joined forces to help defend Mike Flynn, uh, if it gets dismissed, they succeed. You know, Mike Flynn might have uh, a whole lot more trouble coming his way in January over and above just the six months in prison he's facing presently. So um, the, the, the plea agreement and Mike Flynn's plea paperwork makes it clear that Mike Flynn committed multiple crimes, not just lying to the FBI, but if you look at his sworn statement of the offense, which was introduced at the time he pled guilty, he also committed FARA violations, Foreign Agents Registration Act violations, and arguably he committed several of them. It documents that not six weeks after He lied to the FBI about talking dirty on the phone with the Russians. He then went on to file false and fraudulent paperwork with the Department of Justice, talking about how he was going to start working for and lobbying on behalf of the Republic of Turkey. But those documents that he filed with the Department of Justice were full of lies. Three of those lies are documented in Mike Flynn's paperwork. And guess what? If Mike Flynn and Bill Barr succeed in getting Mike Flynn's case dismissed, what that means is in January, when presumably we once again have a law-abiding president and a law-enforcing attorney general, um, Mike Flynn can be charged with all his criminal offenses, not just the one lie to the FBI that he tried to plead guilty to. And Mike Flynn's plea paperwork documents multiple lies that he told to the Department of Justice six weeks after he lied to the FBI. He filed a bunch of paperwork saying that he was going to be a lobbyist on behalf of the Republic of Turkey. But he lied in at least three different ways about what he was going to be doing. And those lies, those FARA violations, foreign agents, Registration Act violations can not only be indicted against him come January, but convicting him would be like shooting fish in a barrel because he's already admitted to committing those crimes under oath when he pled guilty to lying to the FBI. So, you know, a trial on these charges will be quite easy. 
Um, so really, Mike Flynn can win today by getting his case dismissed, but he will lose come January when all those other crimes that the prosecutors promised not to bring against him um, can be revived and can be brought against him, including potentially crimes against his son, if those were dealt away as part of his guilty plea agreement. Yeah, we had we had posited back in, gosh, November of 2017 that Flynn Jr. got off because of the plea agreement, although it wasn't explicitly mentioned in the paperwork. There were addendums under seal, and who knows what's in, who knows what are in, in those. And the addendums under seal, if we, and I, I will tell you, it's not unprecedented for us to make it a family affair when we have family members, all of whom are involved in committing crimes, but our main interest is to charge one person, typically because we want to flip that person against bigger fish. You know, it's not unusual for us to say, look, if you'll be guilty to what you did, and if you will cooperate truthfully with our ongoing investigations and prosecutions against others, we will not charge your family members with whom you were doing these crimes. And it's only fair to put those sorts of things under seal because if you're not going to charge those family members, you also don't want to kind of publicly drag them through the mud by putting them in the plea agreement of the family member who's going to plead and flip. Yeah. Yeah. It happened in the sting. I've seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think it was a family member. It was a friend. But uh, yeah, they were going to let her off the hook. Or they were actually, they were going to charge her with crimes if, if he didn't cooperate. Of course, it was a fake fed, which is the greatest part of that entire movie. But uh, spoiler alert. Um, plus, plus the soundtrack wasn't bad. It's so good, right? Scott Joplin? Okay. Um, but this precludes Trump pardoning Flynn, right? Because Trump can just come in and say, and you are pardoned and absolved of all of your wrongdoing up until this moment. Uh, and you can't be charged for crimes that you committed prior to my pardon. He can do that. And then we can't go after Flynn for any of that FARA violation or his family. I mean, he would have to pardon his family members, too. Yeah, but let me let me push back on that a little bit. Yes, the prevailing wisdom is the president has unlimited and unfettered pardon power. So he can certainly have somebody type up uh, a pardon for Mike Flynn and, and Donald Trump can sign it. But then what happens come January, in my estimation, if I were prosecuting the cases, is you have to test that pardon in court. So there is no, there is very little case law, appellate law, Supreme Court law on the ins and outs of pardons, particularly corrupt pardons issued by criminal presidents trying to help out his criminal associates, his co-defendants. So I actually, I know that Mitch McConnell's been cramming unqualified judges down America's throat, so it's always a dicey proposition when I say the state of the judiciary is strong, but I hold fast to that. I think it remains strong. I do not think judges who were presented issue one, whether a part, whether a president could pardon himself for crimes he committed, or two, whether a president can pardon co-defendants, people with whom he committed crimes, people who were part of some broad conspiracy to violate the laws of the United States. I happen to believe that courts would rule those pardons were corrupt and therefore unenforceable. Mm -hmm. So you know what? I hope, I hope Donald Trump 
pardons one or more of his criminal associates, whether it's Mike Flynn or Roger Stone or others, so that we can test in court in January, beginning in January, the proposition of whether a criminal president can corruptly pardon a co-conspirator. And that leads perfectly into my next question. Um, But also on the pardoning of Flynn and Flynn's son, if Trump were to pardon Flynn's son, we would all then know that Flynn's son was protected as part of the plea agreement. That would be politically interesting. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I need to pardon Flynn. Oh, and I have to pardon his son as well. Really? For what? What for? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, interesting. So, okay, okay. Uh, but you talking about you can't pardon your co-conspirator. Uh, it came up this morning, Kristen Johnson on Twitter. Can, you know, let's say Trump loses the election. Can... Pence then can Trump resign as a lame duck and then have Pence pardon everything? And yes, the answer is yes. But now again, uh, you because uh, that was my answer. But you had added a caveat, and that's what you were just mentioning. Pence Pence's pardon could be challenged if Pence, for example, were a co-conspirator in something illegal. Uh, in the administration specifically tied to Donald Trump, I, I would assume, uh, and you, you gave some examples. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Because I know, just like you said, the pardon power is pretty untouchable, but there are instances, or there should be at least instances, when it it's not. Yeah. So let, let's assume. Now, I don't know if Mike Pence committed crimes, so I'm not asserting it as a matter of fact. I do know Donald Trump committed crimes, because I can read, and I read Robert Mueller's prosecution report, which documents multiple felony obstruction of justice charges. So, but let's assume, just for the sake of this discussion, that there is sufficient evidence to prove that Donald Trump and Mike Pence, together with many others, were involved in an illegal scheme to profit off of the sales of personal protective equipment, PPE. I have sure seen and read a lot of stuff that that has led me to believe that that is a distinct possibility. But let's assume that that is true, that they were co-conspirators in a criminal scheme to profit off the sale of personal protective equipment to hospitals. Uh, And then Donald Trump, after losing the election, wanted to pardon Mike Pence for it. I think that would be challengeable under the theory that we were just discussing, how a corrupt pardon of a co-conspirator probably would be ruled, would be would be deemed illegal by a court. So now let's assume that Donald Trump steps down one before the end of his term, and Mike Pence pardons him. The same principle would hold true because Mike Pence would then be the one issuing the corrupt pardon of a co-conspirator, Donald Trump. Obviously, a lot of you know evidentiary facts would have to fall in place to prove all this up. Um, but I, I have a feeling if this issue was ever going to present itself, it is going to present itself between November and when Joe Biden takes over as president. Yeah, um, that's really interesting, particularly. I mean, we, we always talked early on about how Pence seemed to just distance himself by a mile from from any of the uh, any of the uh, you know potential crimes, obstruction of justice uh, violations, etc. And I'm wondering now. I'm wondering if he was advised early on, "Hey, you need to be kept far away from any of this, so that you can pardon Trump <laughs> if he resigns." You know. 
Um, and so maybe that was a little bit about why he was uh, so, you know, keeping an arm's length uh, away from it. Here's the, here's the other thing. We, we know the price Gerald Ford paid for pardoning Richard Nixon, which really was un, unconscionable. And it, it has led to where we are today with Donald Trump. Um, you know, Mike Pence, if he really wasn't intimate, intimately involved in all of Trump's crimes over the past three and a half years, He's a political animal, and he might want to survive. So even if Trump did end up stepping down prior to the expiration of his term, Mike Pence might say, hey, sorry about your luck, sport, but I am not throwing a potentially corrupt pardon your way and killing my political career. You know, I think Pence is just that <laughs> devious and, um, you know, and, and is interested in protecting his own political viability. Yeah, and it also depends on what Trump has on him, doesn't it? <laughs> No doubt. Yeah. Uh, Hey, would you mind sticking around through this uh, quick break? I have one more question for you that I want to talk about. Sure. Okay, great. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with Glenn Kirshner. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Uh, This is just the most incredible cereal I've ever put in my body. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. As an adult, I had to give it up because cereal had all the carbs and sugar and chemicals and preservatives and junk that you shouldn't eat. But now... Drum roll, please. I have found Magic Spoon. This is a cereal that tastes so delicious. Uh, but with, I, I run around and I, I force people to eat it. It's so delicious. But there's no sugar and there's no carbs and no guilt. So Magic Spoon brings me right back to that feeling of being a kid, watching Saturday morning cartoons and then drinking the cereal milk after. It's so good, you won't believe it's actually really healthy. As Forbes magazine says, with cereal that tastes this good and offers so much nutritional value, as opposed to, well, none, Magic Spoon may be the future of breakfast. Magic Spoon cereals amazingly have zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. With four delicious flavors, including cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry... I bet you can tell where this is going. Magic Spoon tastes incredible. Honestly, too good to be true. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. My favorite right now is the blueberry. I love drinking the milk after. It's so delicious. Uh, so go to magicspoon.com dailybeans to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use promo code dailybeans at checkout also, and then you'll get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com dailybeans, and use the code dailybeans for free shipping. All right, everybody, welcome back. We've been speaking with uh, former federal prosecutor, former Army JAG, MSNBC legal analyst Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, I have one more question for you before we let you go. Okay, so we found out just today that Rod Rosenstein will be, Lindsey Graham has called him to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. And uh, you had tweeted that there were a couple things that you'd be interested in asking uh, Rod Rosenstein. What, uh, what should they be focusing on? We know what the, we know what the Republicans are going to focus on, but let's talk about what, uh, what the Dems on the committee can focus on. Yeah, I suspect the Republicans are still going to be trying to sell that old line that Russia had nothing to do with interfering in the 2016 elections. But so I think this is a mis- miscalculation because um, it was sort of famously reported some time ago that Rod Rosenstein was so concerned with Donald Trump's potentially lawless behavior that he offered to wear a wire, to wear a recording device when he was talking with the president of the United States. Now, career prosecutors typically don't offer to do something like that against, let's, you know, the, the, the leader of the free world, unless there is 
so, there's such overwhelming, dramatic evidence that the president is involved in crime and we need to catch him talking dirty on the recording. So, you know, I would wear Rod Rosenstein out questioning him about, you know, why was it, you know, what was so dramatic that you were concerned about that prompted you to, you know, make this remarkable suggestion. And then we also know that Rod Rosenstein uh, raised the prospect of 25Aing the president of the United States, the 25th Amendment, seeking to have him removed from office for being unfit. And, you know, he may have tried to backtrack and backpedal and say, well, maybe I was saying it as a joke. No, you weren't. You don't joke about something like that, particularly not in your position at the Department of Justice. So, you know, these are the areas of inquiry that are going to be ripe for the Democrats on the Judiciary Committee. And I think the American people deserve to know why people in the highest echelons of the Department of Justice believed the president was unfit, such that they needed to talk about removing him via the 25th Amendment, and why they felt like they couldn't even be in the room with a man and talk with him unless they were wired up. <laughs> yeah, those would be some really interesting questions to try to get the uh, answers to. And I would ask, what you know, when you told President Trump you would land the plane, what did you mean by that? I'd be interested in those communications uh, as well. Um, uh, now, Rosenstein has put out a statement. Uh, he says, I'm grateful to Graham for the opportunity to testify about information that has come to light concerning the FISA process and the FBI's counterintelligence decision making as a result of completed inquiries by Department of Justice Inspector General Horowitz and ongoing reviews by U.S. Attorney John Durham and Jeff Jensen. If you remember, Jeff Jensen was the one who was put in charge of looking into the Flynn case. Uh, during my three decades of service in law enforcement, I learned firsthand that most local, state, and federal law enforcement officers deserve high confidence, uh, but also that even the best law enforcement officers make mistakes and that some engage in willful misconduct. Independent law enforcement investigations, judicial review, and congressional oversight are important checks on the discretion uh, of agents and prosecutors, we can only hope to maintain public confidence if we correct mistakes, hold wrongdoers accountable, and adopt policies to prevent problems from recurring. So he seems to have his script ready to go. Yeah, boy, and there's the Rod Rosenstein that we all remember standing behind Bill Barr with the hostage eyes as <laughs> Bill Barr mischaracterized the findings of the Mueller report. You know, nobody will accuse Rod Rosenstein of having the strength of character, um, but it does sound like he's, you know, he, he wants to have it both ways. He, he sounds like a bit of a chameleon. Um, I don't have high hopes that we're going to get much useful information out of him. There will be lots of qualifications and caveats, and I don't recalls, but, um, you know, I fear that he will continue to do Bill Barr's bidding, which, as we all know, is Donald Trump's bidding. Because if he didn't have the courage of his convictions to stand up to Bill Barr when he was flat out lying to the American people and trying to poison the well of public opinion regarding what Bob Mueller had really found, as Judge Reggie Walton has now famously written, uh, Bill Barr lacks candor and Bill Barr mischaracterized the Mueller report findings, um, I don't have high hopes that 
Rod Rosenstein is going to don uh, Superman's cape and actually tell the American people what's what. Yeah, in the beginning of the Mueller uh, investigation, it sure seemed like Rod Rosenstein was somebody that we could put our trust into. Um, he seemed to be defending Mueller. Uh, and uh, now I think there's been so much information that's come out to the contrary uh, that he was actually, uh, you know, and, and, and who knows? I mean, we've seen a more unredacted version of the scope uh, of what uh, Mueller was allowed to look into. Mueller has testified that Rod Rosenstein didn't tell him no on investigating anything. Uh, but, I mean, that could be a technical answer and there could be underlying things that we don't know about. And I, I would sure like some of these uh, Senate judiciary members to try to get to the bottom of that. Yeah, but, but let's face it, when Rod Rosenstein, when it was time for him to step up and man up or woman up, which is the, my favorite phrase post uh, Maria Yovanovitch and Dr. Fiona Hill, um, when, he, when he had the opportunity to correct Bill Barr's lies uh, about the Mueller report, um, he failed and he failed miserably. You know, I, I, I am not making light of this, but Bill Barr had his you know, knee on the neck of the Mueller report. And Rod Rosenstein just kind of stood by passively and watched Bill Barr, you know, kill any hopes of justice from Bob Mueller's investigation. Yeah. Yeah, it was extremely frustrating. I, I remember it well. And we were all like, wait, what's Rod Rosenstein doing? Um, because we had uh, we had had a false sense of uh, trust, I think. Uh, at that point still, which has been totally obliterated in the Department of Justice since then. Sadly, that's true. All right. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, where can people find your YouTube channel? It's in incredibly informative. I really, really think people should subscribe to that. And, and where can they find you online? Yeah, well, thank you. So I, I started the YouTube channel a couple of months ago, born of, I think, frustration because you know, we're all COVID coverage all the time. And I fully understand that. I'm not criticizing, you know, editorial decisions. But so I started posting a crime a day uh, video on YouTube. It's simply under my name, Glenn Kirshner. And it is not it is free. I was determined not to make it a pay for subscription uh, venture. So I hope people will go. I hope you'll, um, you know, watch the videos. Uh, if they're informative, then please subscribe to the channel. It doesn't cost you a penny. And, you know, today's today's video will be going up this evening about uh, Twitter's decision to um, fact check Donald Trump's tweet. And Donald Trump, who has a deep, deep misunderstanding of the Constitution, says that his First Amendment rights are being violated, his free speech rights. Uh, he doesn't understand that it's only governmental conduct cracking down on somebody's free speech rights that would pose First Amendment challenges. But let's face it, Donald Trump, he, he can't even spell Constitution. He can get the C-O-N part, and after that, I think he's probably lost. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, here's, here's, uh, here's hoping that, um, that our agencies and our judiciary uh, survive. I think they will. Uh, I, I do agree with you, even though, you know, McConnell's packed the courts. <clears throat> I think the we still have a strong judicial system, uh, and uh, especially in D.C. So here's hoping. Yeah, yeah. we got a lot of rebuilding to do come January. Well, I'm ready for it, and I know you're ready for it. So thanks again uh, for joining me today, uh, former 
Army Jag, a former U.S. federal prosecutor and MSNBC legal analyst. Thank you very much, Glenn Kirshner. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, and I have some quick headlines from under the radar today. Uh, the Department of Justice is dropping investigations into three senators for insider trading. The DOJ informed lawyers for Loeffler, Feinstein, and Inhofe, but the investigation into Richard Burr continues. That's not at all weird that Burr was about to release the counterintelligence report on the Russia investigation as the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, or excuse me, the Senate Intelligence Committee, uh, which Senator Marco Rubio has now taken over. Uh, let's see if Marco Rubio releases that report before the election, which is it was due out very soon. And Republicans are suing to stop the House from voting by proxy. More than 20 Republicans are suing Pelosi and other officials in federal court to block proxy voting, arguing that it's unconstitutional. Earlier this month, the House approved new rules that allowed uh, remote voting and remote hearings for the first time in the chamber's history. But under those rules, you could also vote on behalf of up to 10 colleagues, which is by proxy voting. And those 10 colleagues may be unable to travel to the Capitol because of the pandemic. The chamber is scheduled to vote by proxy Wednesday, that's today, for the first time since the new rules were approved. And as of late Tuesday, more than 55 members filed notification letters with the House clerk of their plan to vote by proxy. And in other related news, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has asked Democrats to pull the bill that would renew three expired FISA surveillance tools. And this is raising new doubts about whether Congress can get the measure over the finish line. The bill was crafted by Barr and Trump's top conservative allies. But Tuesday night, Trump encouraged Republicans to tank the legislation. It doesn't really fit with his narrative about hating FISA. Trump has a history of threatening to blow up the FISA reauthorization vote and has asserted without evidence that Obama and Biden were involved in wiretapping his campaign. They were not. Uh, This is, in fact, the vote that was supposed to include those new by proxy votes. We'll keep you posted. And speaking of voting remotely, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany can't seem to put her bluster where her ballot is, I guess, (laughs) from the Tampa Bay Times. Quote, for a week, McEnany has defended President Donald Trump's assault on vote by mail, insisting that it invites election fraud. But like her boss, McEnany has taken advantage of its convenience time and time again. In fact, she has voted by mail in every Florida election she has participated in since 2010. That's 11 times in 10 years she's voted by mail. Most recently, she voted by mail in the state's March 2020 presidential primary just about a month and a half ago, just as Trump did after he made Florida his new permanent home. McEnany said it was OK for Trump because he's the president. And in a statement she made today, it's OK for her, too, because, you know, she's absent. And that's what absentee means. Are you stupid? Absentee? Absent? You can't vote in person? Without a reason, they don't think COVID is a reason. So again, one set of rules for them and one for the rest of us. And from Politico, Pompeo of the State Department put together an undisclosed board of outside advisors while he was director of CIA that some viewed as inappropriately weighted toward wealthy individuals and well-connected public figures. This is all coming from new reporting from Natasha Bertrand. She's national security correspondent for Politico. She says the advisors were often treated to, quote, elaborate multi-day experiences, including fancy dinners, classified briefings, and at least one trip to the CIA's secret training facilities. According to Natasha Bertrand, these are not uh, against the law. These do not run afoul of the law, but several former CIA officials thought that this activity crossed the line, which is pretty much how this entire administration operates all the time. And finally, the Biden campaign has named Rashonda Sy Martin as the National Director for Voter Protection. 
Uh, a role his campaign says will vo- will focus broadly on voter rights, including the disenfranchisement of people of color, especially amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Martin has a strong background in voter protection uh, work that she's done, having previously served as the COO of the DNC and as the DNC's Director of Civic Engagement and Voter Protection. So we will be right back with the good news and quarantine confessions with Amanda Reeder after this quick break. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, you've heard me talk about my Helix mattress and how amazing it is. It's the best sleep of my life. You've heard Jordan talk about it. You've heard Joelle talk about it. You've heard Amanda talk about it. We're all so amazed with it. But exciting news, Helix has gone beyond the bedroom and started making sofas. Uh, They just can't stop making the most awesome, comfortable furniture ever. They just launched a new company called Allform, and they're making premium premium customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door. What makes Allform so cool is they make it easy to customize a sofa using premium materials, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch resistant. Good for the kiddies, podcats. Take note. Uh, The sofa color you can pick, the, the color of the legs, the size, the shape. You know, make sure that you've got... You know, the L-shape facing the right way so it fits in your room. Uh, and that way, you know, it's perfect for you and your home. It's just like their mattresses where you can customize, you know, based on your sleep patterns. This is customizable for your home. And they've got armchairs, love seats, all the way up to an eight-seat sectional. And there's, so you know, there's something for every room and every one. And you can always start small and add to it if you move. Uh, and, you know, your all-form sofa can grow and change with you uh, when you grow and change. And all form sofas are delivered directly to your home with fast free shipping. In the past, if you wanted to order a sofa, it could take weeks or months, especially if it was customized, and you would need someone to come assemble it in your home. All form takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail. You can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. Uh, I customized my all form three seater sofa in a beautiful whiskey colored leather, plus a chaise lounge with a walnut leg finish. It matches my mid century modern stuff perfect. It's modern, roomy, and it's very, very comfortable. I can't wait to have people over to sit on it. Uh, if getting a sofa without trying trying it in the store sounds risky, don't worry. You get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. None of that restocking stuff. Uh, they also have a forever warranty, literally forever, to protect your perfect sofa. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform, A-L-L-F-O-R-M dot com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And joining me today to bring you the good news from all the corners of the world is Amanda Reader. Hello. How are you? Good. Doing okay today. Good. Yeah, yeah. I hope everyone else is too. Yeah, and if Memorial Day is the you know official kickoff to summer, it it happened. It's really it's really hot here today. <laughs> yeah, my quarantine fatigue kicked into overdrive today. I was like, oh god, it's summer now. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I am lucky and I am privileged, and I'm not going to bitch about our beautiful weather. <laughs> I know. Shall we do some good news? Do you have any good news to start off with? Um, no, uh, I, I, I think I touched on all the good news, uh, that I had earlier in the show. Um, I know that I'm excited for tomorrow's happy hour for the Daily Beans happy hour quarantine cocktail situation, uh, for, and we're going to be showing off our masks. Obviously, you know, if you're at home, you don't have to wear it the whole time, uh, but, uh, I'm excited for that. So that's Mm going to be fun. We're going to do hashtags and, 
and get the word out that it's uh, it's cool to wear a mask. It is cool to wear a mask. And I really appreciate too, like when I, 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 I feel such a, such a sense of gratitude when I see people wearing masks in my neighborhood, you know, like, or, or people who give way to me, like it's, it's as, as much as I get frustrated with the folks who don't, when there are people who do and give proper distance, I'm like, yes, thank you for making me feel safe in the world. So wear your masks, wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should wear wash our hands. Maybe we should make a shirt or something that just says "Thank you for wearing a mask." Yeah, seriously. Do you know? That, absolutely. Start teaching young men those who wear masks get all the hot chicks. <laughs> <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. Right. <laughs> it's hard to make out with a mask on, but you make out as soon as you take it off. I'm telling you what. Um. We'll have to pivot it some way. Sex cells. We'll have to, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe have a mask that says my eyes are up here or something. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good one. I like that. All right. <laughs> so tell me, what does it, what is our good news from our listeners? Yeah, this is always the best part of the show. Yeah, this the first one is from Lady Duverge. And she says, my husband and I met. Uh, sorry, uh, since my husband and I met, he has wanted to join the Navy, but I was reluctant to support him at first because of my own misunderstandings, but those have been rectified and he now has my full support. I'm so proud to announce that my husband will be commissioning as an officer for the United States Navy Reserve Civil Engineering Corps this Friday, May 24th, uh, May 29th. By the way, thank you for your service, AG. Yay. Heck yeah, shipmate. Welcome to the fam. Yeah. Congrats to your husband, dude. Yeah, now you got to play. Now you got to play the Village People song all the time in the <laughs> Navy, and you got to watch Down Periscope before he goes. And Mikhail's Navy, it's going to be good. It's a good. It's a good community, and congratulations. Also, you know he's going to have a cute little uniform. That's always nice. You know, a little, a little man in uniform vibe. Keep things fresh. Mm-hmm. Those uh, the Cracker Jacks, by the way. I don't know what part of the country they live in. Uh, mm-hmm. Certain uh, certain parts of the country, you only wear the whites. You know, mm-hmm. the white Cracker Jacks. Yeah. But in some parts of the country, they have the the blues, and they're they're pretty much black. Uh, and it's just the hottest navy uniform ever. Uh, the only problem is, is the pants have thirteen buttons, uh, one for each of the original colonies, so it's really difficult for fast, sexy times. But they look amazing <laughs> from personal experience huh <laughs> uh, no i don't know i don't even know what you're talking about you i was mean? actually in orlando <laughs> i was in orlando most of the time we had to wear our whites and so those aren't the best looking uniforms mm-hmm. but um the it, when i was in great lakes in chicago in the winter those dress blues are very nice also all white pants for ladies Mm, i don't know about that (laughs) i am Mm. rarely willing to wear all white pants but Mm. you know especially if you get in trouble for you know for not being perfect Mm. (laughs) all all in the name of country um Mm. all right all right this is from paul meesem and he says dear daily beans ladies i have listened to your podcast since the very beginning and every day your hard work gives me hope and laughs thank you paul uh, but today, I can. I hope that I can return that favor, at least the hope part. My best friend from kindergarten, who I lost contact with for many decades, but have recently reconnected with on Facebook, told me a week ago uh, that his 81-year-old dad tested positive for COVID-19 and had been in the hospital for two months, uh, in a coma for 12 days while on a ventilator. 
The good news is he was released from the hospital where he went to rehab to learn how to walk again, among other things, and has since recovered and returned home to his wife of 62 years. Oh, my gosh. I know. Oh, what a good story. Thank you. I know. Then he goes on to say, the local news was alerted to this story and videotaped the parade that marched by their house in celebration of his return. This couple is the sweetest pair of people I have ever known, and this story lit up my whole month. I hope it does the same for all who hear it. And then he gave us a Twitter link to the story, so I will tweet that out from from Daily Beans. Oh, that's so, so amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's so nice. Uh, then he says, thanks for all your hard work. Please keep it up. We all need it. Thank you, Paul. Um, The next one is uh, also really beautiful. You remember uh, the woman who wrote in and said, hey, my teenage daughter is a lesbian and wants to get politically involved? Yes, yes. And and we gave her all these ideas on how to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, the teenage lesbian wrote to us. (laughs) Oh, nice. She said, hi, uh, I have listened to a few segments of your podcast, but I know my mom listens to your podcast daily. Um. My good news is more good news that has happened over time. My mom recently submitted some good news about me, about how I wanted to be more involved politically and how I have been looking into gay rights. When I was much younger, my biological mom was into drugs and was very abusive. Um, Luckily, my dad had met the woman that I call my mom today. Uh, She she would protect me, and although I was still at a very young age, I can remember it all. Uh, Not too long afterwards, my biological mom, my dad, and my dad's wife went to court to fight for custody of me. My dad and his wife won, and his wife then became my legal guardian. She got her name, put my birth certificate, and became my adopted mother. Although we may have gotten to many fights along the way, in the end, none of these stupid fights uh, we have been in matter at all. I love her so much, and I'm so grateful for her and my father, and my mom deserves everything she gets. She has protected me fought for me, and she has fully accepted me when I came out. She has spent money on silly little gay pride things for me to make me smile when she could have been spending the money on things she would like instead. My dad uh, and her took me and my younger brother to a pride parade for the first time a few years back. She deserves so much recognition and so much love. So since I know my mom listens to this podcast and will hear this, Mom, I love you so much, and thank you for everything you have done for me and for what you continue to do for me. I'm not crying. Okay. You're crying. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know. Wow. So, hey, mom, you're doing a good job. <laughs> uh, I know. Almost makes me want to have kids. <laughs> this is the, um, these are the things that I think about when I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling so good. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. The good news today, man, it was, it was some emotional ones. Um, so this is a short one from Craig, uh, Craig, oh, by the way, uh, teenage lesbian, uh, I don't know your real name, but I just want you to know that I'm really proud of you for, for writing this and, and for, uh, you know, wanting to get politically involved. I think that's amazing. And you're going to have an awesome life. I, it is totally possible. So stay strong. Um, all right. From Craig, uh, I'm great. I'm grateful for every day right now. I am finally fully recovered from COVID, and I'm now enjoying daily dance parties with my sweet four-year-old baby girl. <laughs> you guys, stop it! <laughs> I know, man. I'm like, there's all these recoveries and shit today. I'm like, oh, um, <laughs> this here's here's a good one. Here's a here's a here's a good one to change the mood up and prepare us for quarantine confessions. <laughs> a little bit of a darker news. Right. Um, this okay. is from Joey. Joey says, thank you so much for your daily dose of humor in these difficult times. A spoonful of sugar really does help the medicine go down. I am a theatrical stage manager in New York City who works at a bar on the side. Damn, that is two jobs that are 
not possible right now. <laughs> uh, I don't know when my industry will return or what that will look like. I am asthmatic, so I am high risk for COVID. Needless to say, my anxiety has been sky high. I tested positive for antibodies, but it does not change much about my behavior. I've been social distancing and quarantined alone since March, but these test results have at least helped my anxiety. My good news <laughs> is that I live across the street from a major hospital in Manhattan and have not been able to go to the park next door because I couldn't emotionally handle seeing the triage tent and the cold storage morgue truck that has been there since March. But the morgue truck has finally been removed and I can walk to the park now. New York City is slowly moving in the right direction. Stay safe. Yeah, and it's because... <laughs> It's because of all the social distancing and mitigation and mm -hmm. and following the following the rules and the guidelines. Mm -hmm. So hats off to New York and yep. to New Yorkers. Absolutely. Um, Y'all are resilient AF. Mm -hmm. Today's good news was some real shit TM. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was it was a lot about it was a lot of COVID stuff today on the good news. And I'm just a reminder of um, how much hard work everyone is doing and also how many people have been lost and how many people are recovering. So I feel like, especially given the way our president is right now, we forgot to, we forget to talk about um, the stories of human people that are either being lost or you know or or having amazing recoveries. So, thank you to our listeners for highlighting these stories. Um, are we ready for some confessions? <laughs> Yes, I am ready for Quarantine Confessions. And don't forget, we are starting a whole new spinoff podcast called Quarantine Confessions. It's the first episode is going to drop sometime on June 6th, which is a Saturday. So we can keep you, uh, you know, entertained over the weekend. And it's going to be fun and amazing. So keep sending in your quarantine confessions. Uh, what do we have today? All right. So the first one is from Diane. And Diane says... Uh, my kids recently spent a couple of hours drawing on the sidewalk. I watched from my Adirondack chair with earbuds listening to your podcast. Thank you. But I told them I was listening to a lecture so they would leave me alone. <laughs> I also sipped ice water. <laughs> no, silly. It was a large margarita on the rocks. Shh. <laughs> As I watched <laughs> from the shade with my feet up. <laughs> Very green ice water. It's green ice water. Yeah. <laughs> this is mommy's special water. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, the, this was the best hour of my day uh, one drew uh, a drawing of baby Yoda that said stay home you must and the other drew Marina the Octopus from Animal Crossing quarantine life is better with tequila <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes. uh, good shit alright uh, from Anonymous oh. I have been catching up on the Daily Beans and I was going back a few weeks and finally heard the confessional of a couple doing a Pornhub account during quarantine. And I thought, wait, someone else is doing that too? <laughs> yes, my wife and I have started an account just for the fun of it, keeping our love life spicy. I have no clue how many followers we have because it doesn't really matter. Just the rush of our videos being on the internet is a turn on for us. Cheers to you all. We love the podcast and fondly remember meeting you all in Seattle. Ah, hello, Seattleites. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Seattleites. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, funny. <laughs> um, all right. We support from, you. Yes, we support you. Good, good, good for you. You know what? We all got to entertain ourselves in quarantine, so shit was bound to get weird. Um, from Rachel. Rachel says, things are getting weird around here during the quarantine. Today, we were having... 
<laughs> Today we were having a truly majestic, impressive, giant zucchini with dinner. You know, I couldn't let this go unremarked, so I put it in my pants. Good thing all I wear anymore is yoga pants and went over and rubbed it on my <laughs> husband. <laughs> I think I surprised him, but he didn't even laugh. He just looked at me and said, you are really perfect for me. <laughs> this reminds me of when your wife and I, uh, Amanda, went. We used to go to the Mission Hills Cafe all the time, and our waiter uh, Jason, who we called "Take Off Your Pants," Jason was there, and he, you know, we'd always order the same thing, and what it was, and then we would go across the street to the Lamplighter and sing karaoke together. And this is a long ass time ago. This is like when we were twenty five. And yeah, tw- twenty one years ago. <laughs> so we we one one day we're at Michelle's Cafe and it's like autumn is 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 happening and so they have this like display of of gourds and uh, a cornucopia and fall autumn leaves and shit like that and they had the biggest fucking. I think it was a zucchini that either of us had ever seen. And it was sort of curved at one end and it probably had a good seven inch girth on it and was probably about 20 inches long. The thing was humongous. And I looked at Joelle and I said, get it. And so (laughs) she she grabbed this humongous zucchini, put it in her coat and walked out of the restaurant with it. Uh, and I mean, I've since I've since replaced their gourd, but <laughs> she she just imagine your wife with her, you know, with her faux fur coat and mm-hmm. just like opening it up like 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 somebody selling watches on the street, just being like zucchini. And then and it's just this giant fucking thing. And then I, we went back to my house, put it on top of the fridge. It sat up there until it kind of needed to be thrown away. But yeah, uh, excellent use of a zucchini. I'm proud of you, and we have a lot in common. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel you, Rachel. We are kindred spirits. We are the we, we are similar kind of people. Yeah, ask ask your wife about the giant zucchini. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. She said, "This is what romance looks like in the time of COVID." As much as I hate all this, it's been fun to stay home and get weird. Thanks for all you do. <laughs> um, we have one last <laughs> quarantine confession. Uh, Anonymous says, last Saturday, my boyfriend and I were gin and pizza drunk. That's a, that's the thing. I know exactly what you're saying because sometimes you're just drunk off of alcohol, but then you mix in a whole bunch of pizza and it takes it to another place of bliss. Um, that's my fact all coming out, you guys. Uh, when suddenly we started talking about the acid stash uh, our old roommate had left behind. He said there was no way that I would be able to find it in all the stuff that was left in the closet and bet me that if I could find it in less than five minutes, he would take some. Let me tell you, I have never looked so hard for anything in my life. As the timer went off, I held a small tin in my hand. I didn't open it yet, but we both knew I had won. I didn't think he would actually take it. I just wanted bragging rights. But guess what? He did. And we wound up dosing together for the first time and had an amazing night watching Have a Good Trip on Netflix and binging the full season of The Midnight Gospel, which uh, which which got really deep, but was just such an incredible random night with the man that I love. We listen to your show every day, and we knew you'd appreciate our confession. Thanks for everything that you do. <laughs> I do. I do appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, um, having worked, I have a confession. Can I do a confession? Yeah. Yeah, please. Uh, having worked for the federal government for 12 years, uh, I did not uh, smoke pot or mm-hmm. take weed or do anything like that. Um, 
because you can't. Mm-hmm. But on Monday night, I believe, your wife brought me some gummies. And I took an, what was it? It was an Indica gummy, one of the grape 10 milligrams ones. And how was it? Well, here's a snippet of a conversation that we had (laughs) (laughs) from 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 this. I said, Shaq is friends with the general. That makes sense. That makes sense, actually. And then she responded, LOL, OMG, quote, that makes sense. And I said, haha, well, it does more than Snoop and the general. I don't believe that at all. She goes, I'm looking forward to you reading this tomorrow. <laughs> and then and then I had to ask her, like, do you know what I'm talking about? She's like, yeah, yeah, the commercials. I was like, okay, because it would have been extra funny if you had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> um, oh, so, God. That's my confession. Well, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, Slept like a baby. Yeah. Little 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 baby bird with no tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, hey, what the hell is Shaq hanging out with the general for? Wait, you know what? No, that makes sense. <laughs> like what? <laughs> and that makes sense. It, it was it was interesting. It's the the thing that was goofy though was the first the moment I took it and then it was started to hit me. I turned the TV on and there was this crazy crown royal commercial where it's like whoop whoop and it's all psychedelic and there's like uh-huh. birds flying and like it's a, some new generational crown royal apple commercial and i was like what the hell did that just happen and i and then i rewinded it and recorded it and just to watch it just to make sure that that's what happened and then i and then i sent it to joelle and i go this is not helping and she just started laughing at me because after that commercial was over, I just sat there literally for about, I'd say a minute with just my just my mouth open. Like, what was that? <laughs> you were like, wow, what a sensory experience that was. And then I just started laughing. And then uh... and then I had to rewind it and take a video of it off my television with my phone and send it to Joelle and say, tell me that this is weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm freaking out. No, oh, so, God. That was fun. Good times. That's Good so times. That's funny. Very funny. Um, also, mm. our Animal Crossing Discord is still popping, folks. So you should, if you would like to join, join. I know a bunch of people have been like buying Switches off of eBay just so they can join the Discord and hang out with us. <laughs> How many people are on our Discord? Oh, I want to say like 100. And, let me double check here. I want to say it's like 150 now. Let's see. Holy jolly. We have. A, that is a happening uh, Discord. We actually have. 190 Jeez, in our animal in our animal crossing discord so yeah there's almost almost hundreds of you i was able to sell my turnips on monday from uh at, at a place that was selling them for over 500 um i made a million bells so that was that was awesome hell yeah it's pretty fun i really think that joelle should start like a stream or a podcast or like YouTube videos or something of her Animal Crossing commentary because she has so much to say and it's really adorable. Like I'll walk into the room and she will give me like a whole story about the project she's currently working on. And I'm like, someone wants to hear this. Yeah, 100%. And her island is amazing too. So yeah, it is. Oh, nice chatting with you today, dude. Yeah, it's been really great. And what incredible good news stories. I know. 
So nice. I need a tissue and such good quarantine confessions. Keep sending them in. Uh, we're going to make a whole new podcast and mm-hmm. you're going to love it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and see you all uh, at the patron uh, happy hour tomorrow. Uh, it will be at uh, 5 or sorry, 4 p.m. for patrons. Um, who get access to the whole stream, and then we're going to tweet out the link for the second half to non-patrons from the at Daily Beans Pod account at five. But yeah, if you would like Pacific to become time. yeah specific time, uh, become a patron at Patreon.com/slash/TheDailyBeans, and you also get access to all of the past live stream uh, videos as well. Yep, and you'll get access to the entire Muller She Wrote archive, all mm-hmm. of the MSW book clubs, the entire yep. nineteen episode series that we did on on the Muller Report. Uh, and you'll get our newsletter. Uh, my research notes mm-hmm. are included in that with fun pictures from and memes. And then also um, you get the Daily Beans early and ad-free, and you will also get Quarantine Confessions in your premium feed. You'll get both shows, and you'll get Quarantine Confessions early as well. Yeah, and you also get access to a great Facebook group if you need to bitch about politics, uh, our, mm. our patron yep. Facebook group. So lots of great bonuses. Um, yeah, sweet. Yeah, and not just a bitching about politics, but it's incredible for networking. Oh, gosh, yeah. So much positivity, too. Activist stuff or job mm-hmm. hunting or mm-hmm. dating, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a, a good group to meet people in. I've already, I've made so many friends throughout this whole process that I consider to be, I, that I'm really close to now. And so I really love it. I love our community. Uh, and too. everybody's just so plugged in and active. So thank you, Mandy, Yay. for the good news yeah. and the confessions. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks all of you for sending them in. Any final thoughts? Wash your hands. Same as always. Take care of yourselves. Be gentle with yourselves and send in your most salacious confessions, please. I want to hear them. <laughs> yes. And uh, put if you want to remain anonymous up front so we don't mm-hmm. get to it at the end and say. Uh, all right. That's it. Uh, with that, everyone, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. Been Amanda Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>